Llegó la venta en Vuelve la Alegría de JCPenney. Completa tu lista de regalos y ahorra 25% extra con el cupón de esta semana. O ahorra hasta 80% en joyería fina con ofertas Redbow después del cupón. Visita Sephora dentro de JCPenney y encuentra las marcas de belleza y perfumes que les encantan. Y aprovecha y entrega tu auto. Juntos en celebración y paz. JCPenney. Ofertas válidas del 20 al 24 de diciembre. Aplican condiciones y exclusiones. Sephora se excluye de los cupones. Detalles en la tienda o jcp.com. Curling fans, you've come to the one place with everything you need involving USA Curling and more. It's the Extra Extra In podcast with the 12th In Sports Network and hosts Price Atkinson and Joe Calabrese. Get ready for everything you need to know. News, interviews, points of view, and club spotlights. Anything involving USA Curling can be found here. It's the Extra Extra In podcast with the 12th In Sports Network. Now, here are Price and Joe. We are back. Yes, we are back. And most importantly, the Godfather himself, Joe Calabrese, is back. And you are back in the Extra Extra Podcast of the World Sports Network. I'm Price Atkinson. And yes, he is the Godfather himself, Joe Calabrese. Back after hitting the road and going uh, to play, and not even hitting the road, but right there in town, playing in his uh playdowns and we're going to get to that Joe we got a lot to get to here uh on the extraction podcast episode 10 where has the time gone the time is going to go by fast today hopefully not too fast for your listening pleasure because we have got a couple interviews to bring you Joe uh before we've got your segment you can't refuse we're going to get to that here in a second I got a couple interviews here as I am coming to you from downtown St. John's Newfoundland is this place is amazing. I'm here at the Grand Slam, the Boost National. We'll get into that. But our interviews today, Sarah and Taylor Anderson caught up with them this afternoon after their win over the Japanese to get to two and one. They're now one game away from qualifying for the playoffs, a what would be a big qualification and a needed one for Team Sinclair. But the Anderson twins you will hear coming up. And then Kevin Martin himself, the old bear Kmart, the analyst for Sportsnet here in Canada, also just recently coming off NBC and Olympic Channel duties with the Curling World Cup that was played, obviously, in Omaha, Nebraska. We'll touch on that. Is obviously John Schuster getting a massive win on home soil, Joe. But, you know, uh, the segment you can't refuse, who do we have this week? We don't have a segment we can't refuse we, this week, Price, we, because uh, I was too busy playing in an event this weekend. All right, so we will take a break from the segment you can't refuse. I guess I should have asked you that earlier, but that's okay. That's what makes good live podcasting uh, when, when you have uh, a- authentic conversation here. But that segment will return if you are interested in the segment you can't refuse, club spotlights with individuals with curling clubs around the country. Look, just drop us a line. Let us know, tesn.us. Drop Joe and B.A., or in this case, Joe, a line. Tell him you, you are interested and your club is interested. And we'll set up the phone interview, and Joe will connect with you for that as we want to spotlight clubs across the United States, Joe, who are just doing a lot of fun, crazy things, you know, coming off that gold medal and, you know, another season of curling underway all around the United States. Fun things happening in this sport in the U.S. Yeah, absolutely, Price. You know, and and people can get in touch with me at joe at tesn.us. Um, I'd be happy to talk to you about scheduling a, an interview. We have a couple that are um, ready to go. We just have to uh, schedule the time. Uh, I, I'm talking to you, San Francisco. Um, you but uh, we'll get them up hopefully uh, in Call the next them week out. and we'll get them going. 
That's it, Joe. I love when you call people out, Joseph. I love that. More, more. <laughs> All right. Um, before we get going here, um, we want to dedicate this episode um, to Bev Schroeder, who was a USCA staff member, uh, a beloved friend, uh, Skip, uh, a former USA staff member, let me clarify, but a longtime junior coach, was the most recently the coach for Anne-Marie Duberstein's 2018 Junior National Championship. Uh, she passed away uh, just this past week, and I know that was somebody – that so many people around the sport and USA curling were close to. I know Terry Davis said it was almost like a, you know, it, it, it was like a, you know, it's an, another mom to her um, and the loss of her. I know devastating so many people and she touched so many young curlers and so many people around the sport. Uh, so just our, our thoughts and prayers. I know her service was earlier today uh, for Bev Schroeder of Stevens Point, Wisconsin, after a long battle with cancer. Passing away, and Joe, our, our, just our, our thought and prayers to everybody who knew her, who, who had the pleasure of being around her. Uh, I know she will be deeply, deeply missed by many. Yeah, definitely somebody who had a great impact on the sport and all the people around it. Um, and it's going to be a legacy that continues as uh, Bev, the Bev Schroeder Junior Junior Curler College Fund has been established, and that'll help. Uh, Curlers attend college, and I think that that's a great legacy uh, that she's leaving behind. Yeah, absolutely. And if you need more information on that, just go to usacurl.org. You can get more fun, uh, more information on the Bev Schroeder Junior Curler College Fund right there, or you can click to make a donation to help curlers attend college. So much more there. So just, again, our thoughts and prayers. And this episode, episode 10 of the Extra Extra End, is going to be dedicated to Bev Schroeder as we move through everything tonight. All right. Joe, before we get to your big weekend, the Curling World Cup came to Omaha, Nebraska. John Schuster, those guys getting the win over Nicholas Adine. They play, I thought they played pretty well in the final. I thought Nicholas was awful. Those guys missed so many shots coming down the stretch at key moments. But nonetheless, how about the win for Schuster getting it on home U.S. soil? You know, you'll hear from Kevin Martin here in a little bit. I talked to a lot of people here around the, you know, at the, the here at the Slam, and you know, just kind of coming off that weekend is a lot of most everybody either was at the Curling World Cup in Omaha, or uh, the the Canada Cup uh, that was played out west. But just what I, I mean, can you write a storybook? I mean, it, it's not the Olympics, it's not winning the gold medal, but the one time the U.S. hosts the Curling World Cup, the second leg of this series, we get a U.S. team that wins it. Yeah, pretty uh, pretty great thing for the Schuster Rink, who's uh, banking a check of uh, $20,000 for this win. Uh, tight game, just a three-to-one game. Not not the most scintillating offensive uh, outing, but got the job done against uh, uh, Adine, uh, who you know was obviously looking for a little revenge after that uh, Olympic loss. Yeah, so now uh, Schuster, since the Olympic final and and after in the new quadrennial, they are now two and zero against Nicholas Adine, and you know they beat him up at Thunder Bay in the the Tier One Slam uh, on sheet A. Really good battle, pretty much came down to the last rock. Nicholas only missed one shot the whole game, but it was a shot that cost the Swedes and Schuster and those guys get that win, and then they get a really solid win there at the Curling World Cup as they will. They will then. They are not here. Team Schuster is not here at this Slam. We don't have a team, uh, a men's team on uh, on the men's side playing here. But they will go to Kurosawa in Japan. You know, uh, uh, the annual tournament there that runs just right before Christmas. 
that bond spiel that uh, that Schuster and those guys will be representing Team USA at. So, uh, but Joe, as we get to uh, let's get to uh, your big weekend. Let's get to your weekend with your playdowns. Fill us in on everything that happened. Uh, I don't want to sp- spoil anything. I want to let you take it away. Well, Price, you know, uh, my team uh, consisted of Bob Williams, Chris Lee, and Eric Loy, and we uh, were competing in the Rochester Curling Club and the GNCC Club National Playdowns. Uh, so there were 13 teams. They divided them into two pools. We were in the larger pool. Uh, we uh, we had an interesting start. Uh, we <laughs> drew a team from North Carolina, um, Jeremy Hosian, who uh, yep. we've had a little experience with in the past coming up to Rochester for some events. And uh, we got down early, and it sort of was the, the theme of our first few games. We would get down early and try to battle our way back. And so uh, we were down four against uh, Hosey, and we wound up winning that game 9-7. to seven. Uh, Then we played a team from Schenectady, and we got down five. And we came back and won that game 8-7. to seven. So uh, our theme for the week was when we're down five is when we thrive. And so um, we figured out a way to uh, win the next game without going down. So we were up we – were, we were – Feeling pretty good, three and zero, and we then uh, hit the uh, part of our schedule where the teams were a little tougher, and uh, Benji Guzman from uh, Broomstones took us out uh, nine to four, and then uh, ran into a team, uh, Matt uh, Prang from uh, from Pennsylvania, and they beat us nine to five, and then we needed to win a game against uh, our fellow club members, uh, at Mark Andrews, and we wound up winning that game. That got us into a tiebreaker. Uh, we had to play Hosian again, and we wound up winning that game nine to seven. And then, uh, then we ran into the buzzsaw. Uh, <laughs> Ed Simia uh, from uh, Connecticut. Yep. Uh, that was not a pretty game. Uh, we got down five. We got down seven. When we got down seven, we decided it was time to give it up. <laughs> and so uh, we wound up in, losing in the Page playoff game, which was a really good. Uh, Good result for us. We were we were ranked ninth, and we wound up being fourth overall. So we were pretty happy with the result. That's awesome, man! Congratulations, congratulations to your entire team. That is, uh, hey, look, um, you know, uh, you would consider that weekend a success, and I would say it's a, a success because when I was uh, when I was in Philadelphia over the weekend and making my way here to Newfoundland, uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to tune in uh, and get uh, the, the the web stream. But when I would see uh, Calibrees pop up on the Curling Zone app on my phone ah. and got to just to see the last name Calibrees uh, in the scoring updates, that made my weekend. As small as it may have been, I thought that was just pretty cool. Yeah, it's been a while since my name was associated with a Curling Zone score. And most of the time, those I was on the losing end of those scores. So it was kind of nice in my coming out of retirement uh, to be able to get a few wins. Uh, and qualify for the playoffs it was it was a good weekend we had a great time yeah well congratulations on that and uh, you know we got a lot to get to here we're going to get to it in our last segment but we got a couple guest interviews joe if you got anything else right now speak now forever hold your peace because oh boy i think i'm good i think i'm good i'm riding high and that'll be it you're saving the football till the end i i understand that's (laughs) that's the way it should be but i gotta tell you real quick um you know before we uh, go any further i being here in Newfoundland for the first time, this is one spectacular, majestic, incredible place. I, I'm blown away by the people, but I'm so blown away just by the atmosphere. And, you know, I've hashtagged it the house that Gushu built because those fans up here that come out tonight, I was there to, you know, the last, obviously every day, but 8.30 tonight uh, for the primetime draw, Gushu's pretty much on the primetime 
uh, you know, sheet every night. They had towels, Team Gushu towels laid on every single seat for everybody coming in tonight. It was standing room only. I told you a little bit earlier, the fire marshal down to the exact person knows how many people are in that building because they sold standing room tickets that went like less than 10 minutes for the event here. It is a sight to see, to see all these Newfoundlanders in that building that just and you know it. We've seen it. We watched the Briar in 2016, and I can't even tell you how many people have shared Briar stories from 2016 when Gushu won it at the Mile One Arena, which is just a block from here where we're staying at the Delta in downtown St. John's. These people here, and we know we knew it. I mean, you, we've read about it. We've seen it. These people here absolutely adore, love Team Gushu, Joe. Well, yeah, I mean, it's sort of, it's their native uh, son, you know, and, and he's playing and he's a, an Olympic uh, champion and, you know, they, he's always going to be their hero. And uh, it's great uh, to be for you to be in that arena and, and experience uh, what you're experiencing out there. It's just electric. I, I am blown away. I, I mean, it's like going to the slams this year and just being fortunate enough to, you know, work with a lot of the teams and doing digital media and stuff with them. To, I, I, I'm not this it is not lost on me the opportunity I've had to see some of these places but experience the game in Canada and some of these places that that absolutely love this sport and I mean absolutely with all due respect uh, to what we have in the states I mean just to getting the opportunity to see arenas that are packed to the I mean to the gills without hardly an open seat in the building you know, people going wild, appreciating good shots. You know, the Penty's Pub that's that's packed, that's rocking with it. It's just an experience that is it's not lost on me and has been incredibly special. And we hadn't even got to the playoffs, Joe. But I mean, this it's just something that is just hard to to even describe. And and I'm on the other end of it when everybody here. I mean, everybody. Were you here in 2016? No, I wasn't here in two. I mean, I've heard the the Briar story so many times. I got to go back and watch it on YouTube actually because I've heard it so much. But it is just it's just a magical place, man. I, I'm just I'm really looking forward to what the weekend uh, happens because I don't I don't pull for any of the teams unless it's my teams, you know, USA curling teams and you know the teams I work with. But I got to be honest, I'm ho- I am pulling for Brad Gushu's team because I want Gushu and them in there on the weekend to see this place really upside down, Joe. Yeah, I can't imagine what that atmosphere would be like if they made the final. Uh, so, Price, tell me a little bit about how our, our women's teams are doing out there. Uh, well, let's see. I can uh, give you a good report here. And so uh, I can tell you right now uh, that uh, Jamie Sinclair on the women's side. So just to set the stage uh, for the U.S., we don't have any men's teams. Mentioned that a little bit earlier. Uh, but on the women's side, we've got Jamie Sinclair and Nina Roth. So we have two teams here. It's kind of weird. We go from seven teams where we're at in Thunder Bay in the Tier 1, Tier 2 Tour Challenge to just two here, which is okay. Uh, but right now, uh, Jamie Sinclair, they are in Pool B with Fujisawa, Jennifer Jones, Tracy Flurry, and uh, Yoshimura, uh, who won the Tier 2 slam uh, from Japan. Uh, Right now, Jamie Sinclair is tied atop Pool B with Fujisawa uh, at 2-1. So pretty much two wins. Two wins usually always guarantees you something. It guarantees you always at least a tiebreaker for the most part. But Jennifer, uh, excuse me, Jamie Sinclair's got a big one tomorrow night. Jennifer Jones, that's going to be on the feature sheet tomorrow night, Joe. 8.30 p.m. local time. 
here in Newfoundland, which I got to tell you right now, by the way, uh, that would be 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. This hour and a half time difference from Eastern Standard Time is a killer, buddy. It is a <laughs> killer having that extra 30 minutes. It is it is just not right. So I usually I go all in, set my watches, change my watches. Uh, you know, your iPhone, obviously, computers change automatically. I've left my wristwatch on time at home so I can, you know, easily navigate the 90 minute time difference while my phone and everything's changed but nonetheless back to what what you asked yes uh jamie sinclair if they can get a win over jennifer jones tomorrow night and nina roth can tell you right now that they are most definitely beatable uh they will they will be through into the qualification in the quarterfinals which right now sinclair really needs that because uh well i guess i can't let him cat out of the bag but in terms of the next slam um, we w- might have a very small U.S. presence uh, in North Battleford coming up at the next slam. So uh, Jamie Sinclair really getting to the playoffs and even honestly winning a game in the playoffs would really, really help Jamie. On the, way, on the, uh, on the other side of this thing, Nina Ross, she's in uh, Pool A. You might make an argument that that might be the toughest pool here with uh, Silvana Tiranzoni on Hasselberg, uh, Chelsea Carey, who has really been a nemesis for Nina so far this season, and then Isabella Rana from uh, from Sweden. Uh, right now, Nina sitting one and two uh, in Pool A. Uh, they got a they they got their first win yesterday against Rania, uh, nine to three. They lost to Carey eight seven on the first day, and then didn't play very well tonight against Tiranzoni. Tiranzoni right now is three and zero. Their their train that has been trucking basically since Europeans. I mean, they went through Europeans, did not lose a game until they lost to Hasselberg in the finals. Hasselberg and Tiranzoni are leading Pool A right now at three and zero for Tiranzoni. Hasselberg two and zero, and then Carey and Roth are one and two. So what it comes down to basically for Nina, Nina's got a game at nine a.m. Uh, local time here on Friday tomorrow morning against Anna Hasselberg. They've got to win that game just to even get in the conversation of a tiebreak. That's really where it sits right now. It's basically Jamie's pretty much guaranteed at least a tiebreaker no matter what happens tomorrow. A win over Jones and they're in. Roth has pretty much has to beat Anna Hasselberg uh, to be in the conversation for at least a tiebreaker. Yeah. So Price, how deep can these tiebreakers go? I'm looking at the standings now, and there's just a bunch of teams that could wind up two and two. I mean, does anybody who gets to two and two, you know, it, it you know, it, figuring there wouldn't be that many teams above that, get into some sort of tiebreaker then? Well, if if Thunder Bay, we almost were in one of those precarious positions where going into the final men's draw. I believe we had seven teams that were, had a shot for the last spot where we oh, could have man. ended up playing off. I believe it was basically two tiebreaker tiebreakers. Winner of those then go into the tiebreaker to get into the, you know, the playoffs. It was wow. really it was really a, a bad situation. Um in ter- and I say bad in terms of working the games and having to be there. You know, we always like to avoid those things at all costs. So that was, yeah, it ended up not happening, but that's possible because that is why tomorrow night um, you have the women's draw last, but there could be tiebreakers potentially being played on outside sheets tomorrow night if need be. Uh, That could be men's or that could be women's, but certainly Saturday morning that could be a ton of tiebreakers on the women's side at 7.30 a.m. local time, which would be 6 a.m. your time. Well, let's hope for your sake that that doesn't happen. Let's hope. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But I do hope that uh, of my four teams that are here, I'm hoping 
that I can at least get half into the playoffs because that would be a successful day. So, all right, Joe, let's let's take a step back. Let's go ahead and get out of here because we got guest interviews coming up. The Anderson twins, Sarah, Sarah and Taylor, will bring you those, and then the old bear himself, Kmart Kevin Martin, analyst with Sportsnet, also NBC Sports. We'll talk with Kevin Martin here coming up on the Extraction Podcast, episode ten with Price Atkinson and the godfather himself, Self Joe Calabrese. We will be back to wrap it up, and we got a lot more to talk about in our final segment. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. All right, we're back here in Conception Bay South, Newfoundland, as we are at the Nash, Boost National uh, Grand Slam of Curling, and we are wrapping up the round robin. So I'm here with the Anderson Twins from Team Sinclair, Sarah and Taylor, and you know, you guys have now what fourth slam for you guys? What is? It's been a kind of an eye-opening experience, I know, for both of you. But what what's it been like for you guys to learn under the bright lights with these kind of crowds and you know getting to play against the world's best? I think you know each game each slam that we play in, our team's getting stronger and we're gelling and getting better and we have so much to learn and it's been a lot of fun to play on these stage and feeling really comfortable playing on uh, arenas and events like this what about for you taylor i mean this is i know obviously first time experience for you both but you know just the the crowds the kind of energy the, whatever building it is we're in up here in canada it's just it seems like it's a pinch yourself kind of moment yeah it's been an exciting season this year We've been working really hard um, to become a new team, and it's great being out on this really good ice. Um, we have great equipment and a great team, so we're definitely learning a lot and um, excited to be here. What's been the, maybe the most difficult, the biggest you know challenge for you guys, not just as a team, but you know just kind of individually, you know, getting used to this. I mean, you've curled against the best and juniors. Now you kind of take that step up a little bit. You know, obviously as a new team, you guys have new dynamics, but you know, what's been maybe some of the toughest part of this for you guys? I think um, just, you know, with a new team, you know, you're learning all the small team system stuff, and that just that just takes time. And um, I think just learning our roles and systems has probably been the hardest thing, but uh, the more games we get, like I said, just like it seems easier and easier. I feel like the toughest thing out here is just learning everyone's habits because once you're with a team you kind of get into a routine and it's second nature and just being with new players it's good to know what they like and how you can help everyone be their best player out on the ice. What about maybe what's been the most fun thing so far? There, I mean, there are a lot of cool things because obviously, you know, with all due respect to curling in the States, we just obviously do not get the kind of crowds, the kind of energy, the kind of passion that you find here north of the border in Canada. Fun is maybe in just what you get to have and experience every time you take the ice at a slam? Yeah. I mean, our schedule this season has been really busy and crazy, but we're at the tournaments that I think everyone wants to be at. Um, these slams, I think everyone strives to make them, and, and uh, you know, they're making us better. So, Taylor? Yeah, it's great playing here at the Grand Slam of Curling. Um, it's really fun with the fans and the atmosphere and having all the best teams here. 
So his like you obviously when you're in a big building like this, you got to communicate, you got to be loud. Has it helped draw some of the shyness out of your sister Sarah to get her to yell and talk a little bit louder? Um, you know, I think Taylor's no. doing a great job. Uh, you know, I think I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah, she's she's a, a great uh, second, and you know, speaking up when she wants to or needs to, but uh, probably can get a little bit more out of her. <laughs> Taylor, you guys are, I mean, you're obviously twins. You're so close. You you, you do so many things together. And how, how neat is this for you guys to spend, you spend time on the road at home and, you know, curling everywhere. But this got to be pretty neat to have the chance to spend, you know, some time, you know, up here in Canada at the Slams and, you know, just having fun together. Yeah, it's a great experience to have together. Probably look back on when we're old be like, hey, we curled to the Grand Slams together. So that's a really cool experience. Um, definitely growing up, we always loved curling with each other. And <laughs> uh, it's just cool to see where we've come. All right, let's 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 pivot to the more fun stuff. Santa Claus is coming down the chimney here pretty soon. What's Christmas going to be like at the Anderson house? Because I know you guys have a lot of fun, uh, all your siblings, mom, dad. Christmas at y'all's house has got to be like... Like, just awesome, right? Yeah, everyone comes home for Christmas. Uh, I'm really excited. All my older sisters, uh, Larissa, Courtney, and Emily, and then their husbands and fiance and kids are all coming. So it's a lot of fun having a bunch of nieces and nephews around and all our sisters together. So it'll be a lot of fun to be all home in Philly together. So, Taylor, what was at the top of your Christmas list this year? Because I know you got, got to go see Santa. I'm sure you delivered, uh, you know, some special things that you like to see under the tree. Give me, give me one thing you're hoping Santa brings down and leaves under the tree. Um, I like collecting albums, and so I asked for a couple of records, maybe some Christmas albums, hopefully. Any in particular? Vinyls? I mean, yeah. Um, I'm asking for the Elvis, like, greatest hits, hopefully. That's collecting the oldies. I like it. What about you, Sarah? What was at the top of your Christmas list? Oh, uh, a new pair of gym shoes. <laughs> a new pair of what? Like sneakers. Oh, Those new pair of sneakers. That's boring. You've got more fun stuff. I know makeup and shoes and clothes is always on there, but, you know, a Switch or, you know, Smash Brothers or something. Um, my family, my parents have an Nintendo 64 at, in their basement, and I wrote on my list maybe I could bring that to Minnesota with me, but we'll see. I asked for it last year, too, and it was a no. So. <laughs> it was a no. Santa never says no to anybody. Well, look, uh, for, I mean, Merry Christmas to you guys. It's been, been a lot of fun for me getting to hang out with you guys even more. Now getting to be on the slam circuit with you guys, but, uh, you know, certainly Merry Christmas. And, you know, one last thing, a shout-out because we talked about it uh, the other day when we did a video, but, you know, tell all uh, uh, tell the listeners here on the Extraction Podcast about we need your hits, we need your clicks at usacurl.org. Yeah, very important. Everyone go and go to usacurl.org, get the clicks on there. It opens up extra funding for grassroots programs in the states, you know, growing, curling all over 50 states, you know, with the youth programs or club nationals, things like that. So definitely go on, click, 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 so it uh, can help grow curling in the U.S. That's right. What do you think, Taylor? Last last parting words? Yeah, it's all, all about growing the sport in the state. Um, we can really see an improvement um, for the junior level, and it's super important to continue grow in the states. And so that grassroots foundation, if we get more of the funding, it'd be great to see the U.S. become even stronger. You guys are 2-1 and one here at the Boost National and uh, Conception Bay South. A win tomorrow? 
qualifies you for the playoffs, while a loss, I know, at least probably gets you into a tiebreaker. But, you know, from all of us, good luck. I uh, want to see you guys qualify, get through, and just make some noise. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks, Chris. All right, back in, back here in Conception Bay, South Newfoundland, and Price Atkinson here on the Extraction Podcast with the 12th and Sports Network. And, you know, we talk all things USA curling, and right now we're going to talk with one of Canada's finest, one of the greatest ever to play the game, and Kevin Martin, uh, analyst for Sportsnet, also does work with NBC Sports most recently there in Omaha, Kevin. And, man, what a week you guys had there. It was interesting to have the World Cup, the second leg, come to the United States. But, wow, what a capper with John Schuster winning it. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? And, and uh, yeah, John just keeps winning. They're playing very, very well. And uh, by the looks of things, uh, you know, obviously it's tough to you know, change thirds. But uh, Chris Plies, it looks like he's, he's fitting in pretty well with, with the team. What do you notice when you see this new team play? Or I shouldn't say new team, but a little bit newer flavor because you mentioned Chris Plies. I I see John doing a lot of teaching, a lot of coaching back behind the sheet. And I know that was something that Chris had indicated that he was really looking forward to playing with John and learning some new things. Well, that's right. I think that's that's been a big big change. Uh, And they also brought on Don Bartlett from Canada as a coach. So uh, I know um, Don's really been enjoying Chris, um, all the discussions after games, along with John. Like, and you're right, it's, it's kind of a big teaching thing, but everybody seems really comfortable as well. Um, so, yeah, obviously a, that's a huge win uh, to get through a World Cup event and, uh, and of course, beat Nicholas Sedin in the final. So, uh, And you know what? In a pretty handy fashion. Like the, They got in a little trouble the one end where Nick ended up jamming. I think it was a fifth, but... Uh, other than that, their defense was spot on, and, and it's hard to keep a team like Adine to one point in the entire curling game. What what We saw Schuster, obviously, after the Olympics, after you've won a gold medal. I mean, you know it's 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 just it, things kind of change a little bit. You don't change, but the, the appearances, you're in demand to do different things in different places. But, you know, while John and those guys, they obviously took a little bit of a step back immediately after. They've been a little rusty out of the gate in the slam series this year. Do you think these guys have really started now to kind of pick up where they left off a little bit and kind of get it in gear again? Uh, I, I I don't know. Um, I doubt it. Uh, fatigue is inc- you're, you're so tired. Um, will they will they get it going again? Absolutely. Uh, it, it always it, it took us always took us a year um, to, to get things back uh, after the ninety two Olympics and ninety three won nothing and ninety four in the fall won nothing got it going again in the ninety. Four, uh, sorry, in the '94 spring, so two years after the uh, the Olympics in '92, and then '02 won nothing in '03, yeah. and then started to do decent in '04. So um, it's just it's just hard on the body, and and those guys like they're doing terrific things. I follow all of them on Twitter, yeah. and, and, and and like I can't believe oh this is where they're at today, and then another and another place the next day, and it, and it might be in a different country. Like they're they're traveling like crazy. So good on them. I'm sure glad they're doing that because they're promoting curling in a really good way around the world, but especially in the U.S. So um, I like what they're doing. Are they going to? They're not going to be done being tired for a while. They've got lots more stuff to do. All right, we're here in Canada, obviously in Newfoundland, just a, obviously a beautiful place. But you know, in your time back in the states, you've been over a couple times, but spending some time in Omaha, you know, getting to talk to people, getting to be around some of the U.S. flavor of curling. 
know, what's the kind of sense you get of the gold medal and just kind of where the excitement, the growth of the game, and just the pulse of it that you heard from people on the ground there in, o- in Omaha? Well, I just think it's it's people that haven't even tried it, they want to give it a go. And, and that's across the entire U.S. Um, so the growth in the game is in pure learning and new new curlers um, by the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people want to want to try it and uh, so this is the time um, to start you know opening up as many new clubs as possible and, and it's not just in the U.S. either other countries China and Korea South Korea uh, opening clubs all over the place so um, it's a very exciting time for our sport and uh, you know it, it obviously John Schuster winning that was huge for the U.S. In South Korea, the female team getting silver. Japan, the female team getting bronze. These were all huge events to have happen uh, that these countries had never done. Like, of course, the U.S. had won medals before, but not the gold. South Korea had never won a silver. Japan had never won a bronze. So they're like they're they're, they're setting new uh, records for themselves, and it's just causing a worldwide growth in our sport. And uh, that's really exciting for a guy like me that loves our game. It's funny you mention that because I've heard some of the players talking about it, like, you know, it's the ones that have been around a little bit longer, saying, yeah, usually after the Olympics, things kind of slow down. This cycle, starting a new quadrennial, you got the Curling World Cup that began in, in what, mid-August, it seems like. you you got events that are just, more, it seems like more and more events, more and more opportunities to get out on tour and play. I mean, the schedule and opportunities have done nothing but have not slowed down. No, <laughs> they have not slowed down. That would be an understatement of a big, big time. Uh, for the top curlers um, from all countries, I don't even know how you do your schedule now compared to what we used to do because you take fatigue into consideration and you go, okay, I'm going to play two, then one off, play two, then two weeks off. You can't even do that anymore. It's big event after big event after big event, but you can't play four weeks a month for six months. Can't do it. Like You're just going you're, you're gonna to pass out at some point. So... You know, how do you even work your schedules? And, and uh, you know, hats off to the, these athletes now because it, it's grueling what they go through. And it wasn't like that, even as recent as 10 years ago. And it's just changed, and, and it's, it's certainly changed to the positive. Um, we've got, you know, we've got the slam going on here, but there's a big event going on in China right now. And a lot of the top teams are there also. And it, so it's, it's not only, it used to be where this is our week and nobody else has it. Well, not like that anymore. Yeah, yeah. There could be an event in in the, in the Western Canada and say one in the U.S. and one in Japan, and then the next week there's one in South Korea and there's one. You know what I mean? And yep. and, and you've got good teams at everything, and it's really pretty cool. It's it's, it's and it, it it really helps with the growth because if you have a slam and and, and it's uh, and if you just take the top 15 off the off the board every time, well, there's not a lot of growth. But if there's top three or four of the top guys right now in China and say two or three somewhere else and eight or ten somewhere else well then you've got to fill those rosters it's really good so then you've got all these these new people playing at this level and then that's just going to continue to grow so that's where i think the sport's really strong right now is we've got growth going in more than one place it used to be where you'd see oh something's going really really good in this one country but not worldwide right now it's it is worldwide and then in many many countries and just two more quick ones before we let you go. And, and relating to the slams, because we're here in Newfoundland at the Boost National, you know, the U.S. had a really good season last year. You know, obviously John did winning the gold, Jamie winning the Players' Championship. 
you know, carrying over to this season, we had seven teams in, in Thunder Bay, Tier 1, Tier 2. Got to get some results. You know, we had some teams qualify, but just overall when it comes to the Slam Series and how the U.S. teams are doing, what's kind of your, your sense, your pulse of what you're seeing on the ice? Well, obviously, I, I, the Sinclair win was massive. Um, winning a Grand Slam is, is, is another level. It's uh, the best against the best. And, and what, what, it ta- what it takes to win these events is consistency. It's not uh, playing a good game and then not playing a good game. And, right? You've got to be real good all the time. And so um, to, to do well at these events, I think it's all about getting here lots. Um, the first couple, three times that most people show up at a slam, they usually go over, like they win zero. And then gradually learn how to play these events. They're, they're a different breed. And, and so, oh, then we win a game. Oh, and then, geez, we, go, we went two and two this time and lost in a, in a tie break. Okay, we're getting there. And then, and then they get to the quarters. And now, now you're talking seven years in. And, and then now you can become a, a, a top contender. And, but it takes time. It doesn't, it's not fast here. And uh, so having teams, that many teams involved is healthy. Uh, worrying about them winning quickly, that... You can worry, I guess, yeah. but, but it's not going to help. <laughs> yeah. It just takes time. Yeah. All right, uh, last one for you, Kevin. We're here at the Boost National. Obviously, I mean, you mentioned there are no e- there is, there's no such thing as an easy out of the slam. There are no gimmies in round robin play. It doesn't matter. But you got some teams right now that are really playing well. I mean, Nicodine's made you know a couple finals, made the final at Europeans, made it World Cup in, in Omaha. Uh, Tiranzoni, who ran the table at Europeans, they're undefeated here too, just like Adine on Hasselberg. They've had a storybook season. You know, obviously the Canadian teams, just your sense on the men's and women's side and, you know, where we are Friday night, how this thing might play out through the weekend. Oh, boy. Well, you know, um, one person that, you know, is really motivated is, is Brad Gushu because he's in front of his home crowd. What a crowd. What a, what a crowd. Tonight there won't be, a, a, there won't be one spot. I think the fire marshal is quite involved with figuring out exactly how many people can come in here. Going to be another thousand if they could get in the door, and so you know it's pretty neat. But you're right, uh, and Nicodine's are very strong right now, um, right at the top of the game. And the women's, I I, st- I like the way Sinclair played last week. Uh, they're they're looking pretty good, um, but you can't ignore Hasselborg, Terenzoni, uh, Holman is playing well right now. So uh, you know what, you've got all these tough teams. How it's going to shake out, no way of knowing. It's just that's what the best part of the slams is. That's why you don't have people win very many of them because there's so many tough teams. Kevin, thank you as always for the time. Thanks a lot. All right, here we go. Welcome back in. Episode 10 of the Extra Action Podcast. Price Atkinson, the godfather himself, Joe Calabrese. Hope everybody enjoyed those two guest interviews with the Anderson Twins, talking about what's on their Christmas list. And then Kevin Martin about uh, the Curling World Cup, uh, USA Curling, what's happening around the U.S., and then certainly the Grand Slams as I am here and Joe is there. That would be here, St. John's, Newfoundland, where I'm at the uh, Boost National Grand Slam, and Joseph Calabrese, the godfather, is in hopefully not snowy Rochester, New York, because it was snowy here this morning. When I say snowy, Joe, I'm talking like this South Carolina boy ain't seen snow like what was coming through (laughs) last night and this morning. Yeah, well, you'll have to visit Rochester sometime, but uh, as of right now, we got less than an inch, so it's not so bad. All right, so we got more to get to, and let's get to some of the things uh, we want to touch on. A couple quick, quick hitters before we get to the challenge round and the teams announce the the, the schedule. Uh, Guys, usacurl.org. 
We need, they need, we all need your hits. USACurl.org. Visit USACurl.org, whether it be on your smartphone, iPad, your laptop computer at work, your home computer, whatever devices you got, your kids' phones, USACurl.org. We need everybody's hits because as of yesterday, I believe, Joe, we were at roughly about 12,000 hits that we need before the end of the month. And what this will do, the reason it's important, folks, is because this will unlock about $75,000, basically a $75,000 bonus straight from the USCA. No, this will not go to high performance. This won't go to fund national teams. This will go to club development, grassroots programs, development, helping USA Curling grow and clubs grow around the country. So this is not exclusive money coming from the USOC straight to the high performance. This is stuff, money, a bonus money. If we can get this goal, if everybody can go click on and we can hit that that all magical mark for USA Curling, that will go back to help grow the game from coast to coast. Yeah, and, and definitely use all your devices to do it. We're talking about unique hits. You can't just use the same computer over and over and over again. So use your computer, use your phone, use your tablet. Um, that'll all count separately, and that's uh, what's going to put them over the top. Yep, so usacurl.org. We all need to do our part. Most of you probably already have that are listening right now, but we still need everybody to do their part. Don't forget, Friday night, which would be tomorrow night as we're recording here on Thursday, but tomorrow night, uh, December the 14th, and not even tomorrow night, Joe, what am I saying? Let's walk this one back. Curling night in America, you want a long marathon of curling, take the day off because curling is going to start early in the day on NBC Sports. You will be able to check out USA Curling and Curling Night in America. I believe the first game starts at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It will be – Three, three o'clock, you, sorry. Three okay. o'clock Eastern. Three o'clock Eastern. That's what I'll get for work, living or right now residing in a hour and a half different time zone right now. I can't, I, I can't count where the time zones are. <laughs> but three o'clock tomorrow Eastern Standard Time, you will have 10 straight hours of NBC Sportsnet Curling Night in America starting at 3 p.m. Eastern, folks. Set your DVRs. Get, in, get out of work early. Whatever you got to do. <laughs> Get out of work, get home from school, get home from for curling. You got ten hours to take it all in. All right. Yeah, and I'm sorry, NBC is going to stand for nothing but curling sports network. You tomorrow, got so. you got that right. Joseph. I love it. All right, let's get to uh, some news this week. the The challenge round coming up, Joe. We get the teams that are announced, and not just the teams. We get the teams announced on the women's side, but on the men's side, we get a uh, we we basically get the matchups and um, where everything is going to stand with the teams that are going to be playing in the challenge round coming up later, um, or excuse me, I should say early next year, starting on January 3rd. That one going to be held at Four Seasons Curling Club in Blaine. Yeah, it's a 16-team men's challenge round, so uh, four qualifiers are going to come out of this, uh, and it's it's pretty exciting. We've got some really good teams here. Um, we'll start with we'll t- we'll st- We'll start with Team All Pro, which we talked about the last time I was on the podcast. Yep. Uh, Jared Allen, you know, and and his full team of NFL players, and John Benton is their fifth. Uh, they're going to be competing in this event, and you know, I don't know how well they're going to do, but they, they their first matchup uh, is uh, against Steve Berklid, and Steve is red hot. I mean, they, I, I um, kind of feel for Jared. This is not a great matchup, I think, for them right off the bat, but. Um, 
Steve Berklet in this event. You got Sean Baton in this event with uh, uh, Alex Leichter and, and Derek McLean and Chris Bond playing with him. I mean, that's a very solid team. Then you yep. got Todd Burr playing with Hunter Clausen and, and Greg Johnson and Thomas O'Connor. I mean, that's a solid team. You got Brundage, who was at Nationals last year. His team's all back. You got Brandon and Derek Corbett uh, from the Rochester Curling Club. Now they've, they've moved on from Rochester, but I'm always going to mention them. And then we got uh, the Cacalas uh, from North Dakota. We got uh, I like Sobering. That team. Yeah, I like them too. And we got Sobering from Colorado. We got uh, Chase Sinet, uh, you know, junior team, uh, playing very well as well. And, you know, just a, a really a really good challenge round as far as I'm concerned. I, there's probably of the 16 teams, I would probably say 10 have a good chance. You got Smitty who's out there with Matt Carlson. I mean, like there's a good amount of teams here who have a chance at qualifying. We're going to have a good, a number of teams that are very, very good that are not going to be making nationals this year on the men's side. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And you know, you, you were gone last week when I talked about the Jared Allen thing and give me your, just sum it up give me your feelings because I know that was really kind of two, two, two camps in this whole thing. It was pretty much the camp that uh, that is all in on it. Hey, whatever goes, I mean, it's a free society. You want to try and make it, go for it. And then there was kind of the older school thought, like how dare somebody think they can make the Olympics and just come out here in four years and do it, and it's not that easy. Where did you – I mean, it would just where? What, just give me your thoughts. I guess I would be in the all-in camp. I mean, I, as somebody who chased this dream as he was much younger – um, not knowing necessarily what it was going to take to actually be successful at it. Yep. Um, I, I kind of feel for them. They, they, they're, they're definitely throwing themselves in the deep end, um, but they have a guide. I mean, if you're going to do this, you have somebody in John Benton that you can draw a lot of experience from. And, you know, it's not going to be this year, but it, it, it's some sometime soon, if they have the same work ethic that they used when they were playing in the NFL. Yep. There's no doubt that they're going to get better. The question is how much better and how fast are they going to get uh, that better? And and I just don't know the answer to that. I mean, it, if they travel and they – I mean, I know they were up at Four Seasons again uh, recently. Um, they just have to soak in as much information as they can. I think the question that I have is not necessarily about their technical skill, but it will be about how they – the kinds of decisions that they make when they're out on the ice. And I think that that's going to be the determining factor as to how – how fast they get good at this game. Yeah, and some of the people I talked to that were there, um, you know, the, the kind of sense that I got um, being around the circus, so to speak, because I heard it was just uh, crazy, but was that, you know, the two of the guys were, were let back, so Hunter Clausen and John Benton play, um, that kind of just talking to Mark Bulger that, you know, the that kind of fire that, you know, Jared Allen has got to, to actually really do this. They didn't really sense that that was there. That's not to say it's not, but that's just what I was told. And just some people that, you know, that engage and just talk to them. My guess, and this is just a guess, and this is just a gut feeling. And I don't want to say it's a prediction. My gut feeling is that ultimately this whole thing ends up, where Jared Allen, whether it's this year or maybe next year, probably I'd say next, but ends up you know becoming a, a a really good sweeper and ends up probably maybe joining, let's say a front end, let's say maybe a Todd Burr, you know, and John Benton and those guys. Maybe it's just you know a front end player like th- play, throwing lead or maybe second stones. That I ultimately think that's probably where this thing or what happens, but that is just simply a gut feeling guess. 
Yeah, it kind of makes some sense. I mean, it, it's very rare that a, a team um, that has this little experience sticks together for a four-year cycle. Um, but, you know, that being said, they went into this thinking that that's exactly what they were going to do. So the question is, if they if they have some difficult times and they get discouraged, what happens then? Um, hopefully, you know, I, I hopefully uh, because I'd I like the story, I'd like to see them, you know, at least get a win or two in this challenge round and see what happens. But I mean, the teams that we just mentioned, they're well above the skill level that these guys have at the moment. Um, but you never know. Curling is a weird sport and sometimes you can get, you know, you can get lucky um, and then and play out the string in a way where you're out of your mind and it, it can happen, but I, I wouldn't necessarily predict it for this challenge round. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you've just, the, the teams you went through and mentioned the depth and the, you know, just the name, I mean, it just goes on. I mean, it's just going to be a very, very tall mountain to climb. But you know what? Never say never. And, and look, anybody that wants to chase a dream like this, and my my feeling is, go for it. I, I'm. What are we do? What is one to hold somebody back from chasing a dream just because you don't like it? They may they may have gotten a lot better than you a lot quicker. I understand. I mean, it is a tough pill to swallow for a lot of people. But you know what? If you're that good, then do it. And we will find out because it will be a weeding out process, and they will find out how good they are. So, yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, what about the challenge round on the women's side? Because you mentioned the team. You talked to me earlier about teams, Joe, before we started recording. But we don't have any kind of schedule yet. But we do know teams. Yeah, we have uh, you know seven teams on the women's side with some familiar names, and then some names that maybe I, I'm not as familiar with. I, maybe the, our audience is a little more familiar with, but. We had Emory Duverstein and Cora Farrell uh, playing on one team. Uh, they're going to be coached by Wayne Anderson and uh, Stephen Duberstein. So, like I, that's going to be a very well prepared team for this event. Uh, they have nationals experience. Uh, also, a similar boat, uh, Kate Flannery and uh, Alexis Lanigan. They're they're a team also coached by Bill Rhyme. Yep. Uh, going to be uh, very well prepared as well. Uh, Ann Podel, who we saw in Fargo last year. Um, uh, playing again out of North Dakota uh, with Rachel Workin and uh, Christina Lammers. I mean, this is a and Carissa Thomas. That's a that's an experienced team as well. Sure is. Uh, and then we've got uh, the Rhyme sisters with uh, Kathleen Duberstein. So Rhyme, uh, I think they finished fourth last year, fourth or fifth in nationals. Uh, they had Rebecca Andrew at the time, but um, again, another team that's been playing in, has played in nationals. Uh, we got uh, Melissa Running out of Minnesota. Uh, also going to be playing this event. Then a team I'm a little less familiar with is Ariel Traxler. She's out of Alaska. Um, and so I'm not as familiar with that team. Um, and then uh, Sarah Walsh, she's from Oakland, but we have a couple of uh, players on that team that we're familiar with from a couple of years ago, uh, Aurora Moore and Portia Stevenson, um, who played uh, with uh, the Wood Rink two years ago at Nationals. So, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, front end out of California, the whole team's out of California this year. So it should be uh, an interesting experience for them as well. All right. As I'm looking at the scores from uh, from tonight at the Slam, I'm not going to get into those because those are on the men's side. We don't have a men's team here in, no. uh, in St. John's. But, you know, as I'm looking at Brad Jacobs and I'm getting my jollies fired up for tomorrow because it's going to be Nicholas Adeen and Brad Jacobs, uh, two teams that are 3-0 and they're gonna duke it out at twelve thirty tomorrow. Yeah, I'm, it's, I, it's a sport. Can I guess who you're gonna be rooting for, Price? Uh, you can guess. <laughs> Let me think. You can. I think gu- everybody knows. Yeah. I think everybody knows who you're rooting for. Did I totally play my cards and just out them? Because I had I had our good friend. Um, uh, well, 
Lori from Two Girls in a Game. I can't say her last name because right. they're they're cloak and dagger, but you know, she listened to that podcast and she she wrote me and said, "Wow. Wow, don't hold back." And I said, "Well, I'm not exactly in the closet when it comes to not being a Brad Jacobs fan. Trust me, that closet has been long full with people like me." Yeah, well, I mean, you have your reasons, and and you know, obviously, your work with uh, Nicholas Adine, I mean, gives you all the other reason to be rooting the other way. Yeah, but and one thing I was going to ask you is, you know, so much, and there's been so, especially up here in Canada, so the, all that controversy about Ryan Fry and the incident that happened. What at the uh, was it the Deer Classic? I don't even had, I can't remember it right off the top of my head. You know. It, I heard it was a bad scene, and that honestly, this is you know what happened. Yet taking a step away, but you know there wasn't any code of conduct that was in place to basically regulate the incident that happened with Ryan Fry and you know the members of that team uh, to warrant. Well, I shouldn't say precedent, but there was basically nothing that that the code of conduct that could be handed down to basically penalize you know, Ryan Fry moving forward outside of a fine or, you know, basically having to sit out on his own. Yeah, I guess, you know, one of the things to think about here is that a lot of these events are governed by different governing bodies. You know, you've got Curl Canada, you've got the WCT, and then you've got some of these independent events. It's not like there's a commissioner that can, like, come down and, like, in the NFL and sus- suspend somebody for a certain amount of time. Yep. Um, it's just not that way. And, and um, in this situation, you're right. There really isn't a precedent for this. Other than, I think you just have to act um, appropriately. You have to you have to respect everybody around you and and the in the game itself. And um, I know he's apologized, and I, I think we should probably take it for what it is. Um, yeah. I'm sure that he is sorry. Um, but at the at the end of the day, there are sometimes when you just have to not not be that way in the first place. And I I, I, I guess I'm with you in, in my dislike of that particular situation and his position on that particular team. And um, so I, you're not alone, I guess is the best way of putting it. Uh, all I'll say is uh, the hashtag, the Viking way, let Adine and those guys reign supreme tomorrow against Brad Jacobs, but it should be a good game. And let me just say for the record, 1230 PM. Well, I guess low 11 PM AM East or 11 AM East. See, I'm a, this a half hour time zone. <laughs> it's only a, it's only an hour and a half. It's but, not a it's not, it's not the, a whole day. The half hour is a killer. It, there's no place I've ever been when you have half hour increments. But the uh, Dean Jacobs game will be on Sportsnet, and if you get the package uh, online, international, which obviously in the U.S. we are considered international, you can watch that game live at 11 AM Eastern Standard Time. Brad Jacobs, Nicholas Adine, that's going to be a good good game. As you got Scheidegger, Harrison uh, tomorrow, uh, but it really starts with Adine Jacobs. Uh, how about our friend Jason Gunlinson? How about Gunner right now? He's two and one here. He's playing Kirk Myers, who won the tier two uh, on the men's side, Thunder Bay, who's I believe he's got three wins already this season. But Jason Gunlinson right now is uh, is a co leader in his pool here. Uh, at the Boost National, and then the final that's, game on Sportsnet is uh, Jennifer Jones, Jamie Sinclair. Go, Joe. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's all right. I was just going to say it's good to see Gunlinson doing uh, something good uh, this week after he kind of had a disappointing week uh, at the uh, World Cup. Yeah, yeah, he was pretty bummed. Uh, I, I, he was okay. I mean, he was just he was just kind of bummed they didn't play better. Uh, he was he like he said to me, he's like, man, getting to wear that maple leaf again was pretty awesome. They they he really enjoyed that. But you know what? Uh, 
we need to get out of here, Joe, because episode 10, it's getting late here. We need to put you to bed. I need to go hit downtown St. John's because George Street is actually probably not calling my name tonight because I want to get some sleep. Right, this is that time you dig in, right? This is kind of like uh, this is kind of like what Wednesday at uh, USA Curling Nationals, right, where you – you just you just gut through it because by the time we get to Thursday we we can see the light right we see that we're on the back end and I don't mean this negatively I mean it's just it's just a long week for us working right yeah I mean it's hump day for you I mean you yep. know you know you're over the hump you're ready to you're ready to kind of party a little bit and have some fun and relax yeah and this downtown I mean St John's it's just oh my it's just so it's just so different it's so cool it's so neat it's unlike any place I've ever been and I've really anybody ever gets a chance to come up here whether it's curling or not do it i'm really glad and i'll say this and somebody looked at me like i was crazy the newfoundlanders at uh at the arena over at conception bay south arena i told them all i said i they're like are you are you cold yet i said you know what? yeah it's cold but we got an ice storm at home earlier this week and the other thing is too if i'm going to come to to newfoundland i want snow i want the full blown effect and they're like well you're getting it right now so i got no yeah, I got no problems yeah, you're probably safer up there than you were in, in the Carolinas from the, the news reports I saw. Yeah. All right, Joe. Good stuff. Uh, good to have you back. Uh, we will be back. I guess we kind of got to get a holiday schedule kind of set up here pretty soon. But we will be back with another episode. And that will be episode number 11 next week. I'll go ahead and I'll have some interviews from here in Newfoundland at uh, the Boost National Grand Slam. Joe will have a, uh, hopefully, out there in the Bay Area or from the Bay Area, the segment you can't refuse, Joe. That's the plan. All right, so we will get out of here. Appreciate everybody tuning in, listening this week, Episode 10. Appreciate the Anderson Twins, Sarah and Taylor. Have really enjoyed them uh, You know, this season, uh, or at least so far on the slam circuit, hanging out and get to know them a little bit more. And certainly Kevin Martin, who always is gracious with his time. And i got to tell you, Joe, real quick, uh, <laughs> in the booth this, this afternoon, uh, Mike Harris, uh, Kevin Martin, uh, and Falsy, Rob Falls from Sportsnet, those guys uh, and Jerry, our good friend Jerry Gertz, they always go in, uh, usually every draw in the 50-50, right? Uh, they right. told me they usually always put in like at least five bucks and they get tickets and they had never won until this afternoon. Oh, you got to be kidding me. When they hit one, I believe it was, I think they all, they split it four ways. It was about 175 each, which wasn't bad. But, you know, I was talking oh. to Kevin Martin before we recorded and he's like, I was like, Kevin, how many of those have you won? He goes, that was my first one. I said, you got to be kidding me. You won <laughs> your crazy. first 50 50. Sure enough, he did. But appreciate Kevin joining us. And, Joe, final parting words. I know we, we don't want to talk NFL because our teams are in the tank, but any final parting shots before we get out of here? That you put me on the spot here, Price. I don't know if I have any parting shots other than, you know, go Bills against uh, Detroit. I'll be there f- uh, for the first time in a few games, so I'm excited to be there and, and kind of experience Bills Mafia all over again. Well, he hadn't quit on you, Bill, so uh, take solace in that. But for, for myself, I'm Price Atkinson, and for Joe Calabrese, the godfather himself, this is Episode 10 in the books, the Extra Action Podcast with the 12th in Sports Network. We will be back next week. Until then, have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for being with us on this edition of the Extra Extra In Podcast with Price Atkinson and Joe Calabrese. Follow the 12th In Sports Network crew on Twitter and Facebook to stay up on our weekly contests, giveaways, guests, and for upcoming episodes of the Extra Extra In Podcast.